So today we're starting a new series as we study select chapters from the book of Psalms. We're calling this series The Summer in the Psalms. If I devoted one Sunday for every psalm, there would, the, the series would be 150 weeks long and we would conclude on May 10th, 2026. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I get bored much too quickly. And so we're going to be 10 weeks and we'll conclude on August 27, 2023. So the book of Psalms uh, were written over a period of 800 years by at least eight different authors. Uh, people call them the Psalms of David, but David wrote between 73 and 75 of the Psalms. So he's, he wrote about half of them. The oldest Psalm is Psalm 90, and that Psalm was written by Moses. Uh, and actually that was uh, written probably around 1400 BC. Last summer, we studied through the book of Proverbs and uh, I usually put Psalms and Proverbs together. I say, if you need comfort, you read Psalms. If you need wisdom, you read Proverbs. They kind of go together. A lot of people in their Bible reading plan will read one Psalm and one Proverb every day. It's a good habit and a good thing to do. The book of Psalms isn't the kind of book that you read from chapter to chapter and it builds upon another. They're not like that. Each, each is a standalone uh, chapter. Uh, although there are several different types of psalms, there are uh, hymns. So really, the book of Psalms is the Hebrew hymn book. Uh, these are the songs that they would sing. So much of them are written as a song or written as a poem. Uh, there are psalms of lament. Uh, the word lament means complaint. And uh, so, you know, many of the psalms are like the complaint department, uh, you know, of the Bible. And uh, you, you'll see that there. There are royal psalms, which are uh, prayers and praises to the king at the time. There are thanksgiving psalms, which are celebrating the good things that God has done for uh, the psalmist and for his people. There are wisdom psalms, which speak of God's wisdom and his instruction in uh, really the benefit of following his ways. There's even a category of psalms called imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory psalms are those psalms that ask God to bring misfortune, calamity, and destruction upon your enemies. Some of you are like, tell me more about this, <laughs> you know. But uh, you'll you'll see them where the psalmist is just praying, God, bring bring you know you know challenge here into the life of my uh, oppressor. So uh, if there's one book in the Bible that really speaks to the reality, the realities of the human existence is the book of Psalms. Uh, you're going to see every kind of human emotion uh, in this book. You're going to see joy and you're going to see happiness. You're going to see sorrow and loneliness and depression and anger and regret. And the, and the list just goes on and on. They're all in there. Uh, you're going to see songs that are prayers. You're going to see songs that are expressing anger towards God. Uh, and you'll also see the songs of thanksgiving for God's goodness. Um, many of the Psalms speak of, speak of God's goodness and of his comfort and of his healing, uh, of his deliverance and at times when he steps in to help people. Uh, there's Psalms that talk about his silence and how, you know, where are you, God, about his anger or his inactivity in their lives or the fact that he's just, his ways are mysterious. I mean, the book of Psalms is just rich with so much really awesome content. It's really a treasure trove uh, talking about uh, how we see God in just a myriad of different situations. Uh, they give us light in how to walk in this journey. And many times the, the, the Psalms are like a healing salve that you read them when you're going through a really difficult time and, and you can, they, they can just speak to you and kind of help you and provide comfort when your heart is broken over things. 
They're filled with rich truth, uh, but they're also filled with some hard sayings. And so it really is a, a great book, and we're going to enjoy the next 10 weeks here as we study. We're going to start today in Psalm 13. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you're following along on the app, you can do that as well. Uh, this, is, this, this psalm is written for the director of music. It's a psalm of David, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. There's only six verses in the entire psalm. It says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord praise, for he has been good to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and as we read your word, God, I pray that your word would bring comfort to the hurting. Uh, Lord, there may be some that already, just by reading this psalm, have been able to identify with David as he penned these words. Uh, Lord, there may be some here today that are walking in darkness. There may be some here feeling the same way David was feeling as he wrote this psalm. And God, I pray today that as we study your word, that you would speak through me the words that you would have that would bring comfort and healing, help and encouragement, strength, uh, Lord, to those who uh, hear us today. So Lord, we just dedicate these next few moments unto you. And uh, God, may your Holy Spirit speak to hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 13 is really a short psalm, only six verses, uh, but these are six powerful verses. Now, we don't really know the circumstances that David was facing. He doesn't tell us in this psalm what was going on in his life when he uh, was moved to write these words, but we can clearly tell by reading the psalm that it wasn't a pleasant time, right? I mean, clearly this was a difficult time in David's life. Uh, in fact, you can kind of tell that he was feeling abandoned by God when he, when he wrote this. Um, it's possible he was dealing with depression uh, or he was just going through a period of blues, but you know, he was trying to come to terms with where God was during his tough times. Typically, this psalm is broken down into three uh, different uh, sections. You know, verses one and two are David's complaint, uh, verses three and four are David's prayer, and verses five and six are David's praise. So we see it broken into three uh, uh, couplets there. Now, we're going to start by looking at David's complaint here. And whatever, he's, whatever it is he's facing, he's not getting through it fast enough for him, right? He's just ready for whatever it is that's going on in his life to be done. You ever been there? That's one of the things I love about, this, about Psalms and this one in particular is you see the human side of the author coming through. And even our famous Bible heroes, we get to see a snapshot of kind of what goes on in their mind. Earlier this year, I did a series called Unlikely Heroes, and I talked about David. And uh, I talked about David and the fact that you know, he was a giant slayer and, and all the great things that he had done. And uh, I'm not going to rehash that, but he was anointed uh, to be the next king of Israel after Saul. Uh, in the New Testament, you know, David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. But the reality is, it wasn't all sunshine and roses for David. He went through some tough times. Saul, after he heard that David had been anointed king, decided, hey, I don't think I want David alive anymore. So he, he sent out to have David killed. He, he asked people to go out and chase him down. And so he was hunted and hounded down 
And David spent years on the run, years chasing through the wilderness, years living in caves, even spending time in the enemy camp uh, because he was trying to find some place where he could, he could just rest from these pursuers that were chasing after him. And we see here in this passage, and we don't know that we don't know for sure what was going on in his life, but it's, it's pretty easy to assume that this psalm was written while David was being hounded by those who were chasing after him. And so we see him ask four times a question of God. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And maybe you've asked God that same question, and it's possible you're asking him that same question today. You see, I think this is the second most common question that we ask God. The first is, God, why did you allow this to happen? And the second is, how long is this going to last? Why did you let this happen, God, and how long is this going to last? Because David's really saying, I can't take much more of this. Whatever it is that David was facing, he was ready for God to intervene and to bring this thing to a conclusion. But God wasn't answering. It was silent. David said, are you going to forget me forever? Hello? God, are you going to forget me forever? Are you going to keep hiding from me? Because I'm looking for you. I'm talking to you, but I'm not hearing anything back, and I'm not seeing you. Are you just going to sit back and let me get killed by my oppressor? God, do you, even, do you even hear? Do you see what I'm going through? How long, Lord? I love the raw honesty that David displays here in this psalm. And probably every one of us can relate to it. I know that there are times in my life where you know, I've faced this, and it brings comfort to me to know that someone like David also got frustrated with God when he didn't move as quickly as we wanted him to. I think back to a period of time when... Uh, we had, we had decided to move from our house on Marco Island and, and uh, to move to North Naples, and we put our house on the market. And uh, probably all of you have been there, and you put your house on the market, and some of you put your house on the market, and it sells in three days, and yeah, yay for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Woohoo, good for you. <laughs> we, had, we still have four kids. We had four kids at the time, all living at the house. We had the house on the market for just under two years. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Try keeping a house clean for two years with four kids, you know? You know? Hey, we'd like to have a showing. No, you know? It's like, uh, it, it was such a draining time. We had three offers. With two of the offers, finally the third one went through, but the, the offer, they would come, we'd get right there, then they would cancel at the last minute. And it's just like, oh, you know? Uh, there was a point where I would have traded our house for a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, like, there you go. Give me the chicken and you can have the house, you know. At about the same time, um, went, you know, went to the beach one day and noticed some kind of a flicker and flash in my left eye. And uh, it was the beginning of two years of eye surgeries. Um, my retina tore uh, and then detached in my left eye. And so that was a scary process. Did not know if I would ever be able to see again out of the left eye. Uh, great doctor. 
and uh, he was able to get the retina back on, but then it's face down for a period of time, and then they fill your eye with this gas bubble, and you can't see out of the eye for months, and then you've got stitches and, and what have you. And it went through that whole, went through that whole process, um, uh, and, then, uh, and then it detached again, uh, and then had to do it again. Uh, same process, laying face down, bubble stitches, um, uh, then had to have cataract surgery. And in the process, they said, well, we, we, better, we better seal up your right eye so the same thing doesn't happen to the right eye. And in doing that, it created all of this basically debris in my right eye. The fluid inside your eye is supposed to be clear. It's called vitreous. Mine was, mine was like pea soup. And so I was blind in the left eye and couldn't see out of the right eye. You know, uh, That was difficult. And then the retina in my right eye detached. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a tough two years. Ended up with three retinal de- uh, reattachment uh, surgeries, two vitrectomies, two cataract surgeries, and um, uh, just months of having stitches in my eye. And it, it was just a horrible, horrible time. And I, I just remember laying there saying, God, I don't know how much more of this I can handle. And you have this fear in your mind that says you're never going to be able to see again. Uh, you're never going to be able to read. And if you can't read and you can't see, how are you going to be able to do what you do? And, and just all the, am I going to be able to drive? And I used to, I had to have people taking me to the doctors and people driving me places. It was not fun. I had my nine-year post-op this week uh, at the doctors and uh, went in and uh, they tested my eyes. And with glasses, I was 2015 in my right eye and in my left eye was 2020. That's praise to God right there. Yeah, that was awesome. And, um, but I can tell you that was a long two years. And uh, uh, often I was, I was asking God, how long, God? I don't know that I can take much more of this. Uh, and it was overlapping with the time when the house wouldn't sell and it just felt like everything in life was in limbo. And it was tough. It was tough. In this psalm, David's kind of feeling the same way. He feels forgotten. He feels forsaken. He feels isolated from God. Most likely he feels hopeless. And can I say, it's easy to feel that way, but just because you feel that way doesn't mean that God has actually forgotten you. I can assure you God has not forgotten you. He knows right where you are. Even though you may feel that he's absent, he's there. You just don't feel him. You just don't see him. God has not forsaken you. He has not abandoned you. So I'm assuming here in this text that David is writing this prior to becoming the king of Israel. Saul's trying to kill him. He's living life on the run. He's hiding in caves. Um, he, has, he has people just chasing him down. I mean, it, 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 it was difficult. These were, this was thousands of years ago. So, I mean, not like he had flashlights and not like it, cave dwelling was pleasant and there were sleeping bags and all these kind of things. It had to be a scary thing to, to live on the run in those days. These were dark days for David. And it's hard trusting God in the dark. But you'll find that often our greatest spiritual growth occurs in the dark places and in the deep valleys. Um, I can't imagine living the life that David must have lived and looking over your shoulder 24-7 knowing that there are people that want to kill you, but that's what David faced. 
And he didn't understand why God was delaying his help when David so desperately needed it. While he was grieving in his heart, his soul was crying out and nothing. How long, O Lord? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've, you've felt, maybe you feel today that your prayers just go unanswered and the silence of heaven is deafening. You're like, well, maybe God just doesn't love me or maybe, maybe God just has chosen not to answer my prayers or maybe God just doesn't care about me. You look at verse two. He says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? You ever wrestled with your thoughts? Day after day, I have sorrow in my heart. It is no fun wrestling with the thoughts in your mind. I can tell you when I was laying there face down, you know, not being able to see, not being able to move, you know, I mean, your mind can just start to really, you know, you're never going to get, this isn't going to fix you. You start to Google all the potential symptoms and things like this. And, you know, you find yourself awake all night. Your mind doesn't shut off. You get yourself so worked up, you can almost trigger a panic attack. In David's life here, there was intense sorrow and uh, you just want to cry. The emotional pain and the stress are just almost too much to bear. And like David, you get to the place where you begin to think, God doesn't care about me or he doesn't remember my name. And you begin to question everything that you'd believed and experienced. And there's this downward spiral of grief and depression. But as we move forward through this psalm, David makes a pivotal, pivotal choice here. We, we read in verse three, look on me and answer, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So here we see when David's at his lowest, he cries out, to God in prayer. Verse three, he says, look on me and answer, Lord, my God. David acknowledges still, in fact, even though he feels God has abandoned him, has chosen not to hear him, has not intervened on his behalf, he still says, you are Lord, my God. Even though he didn't feel close to God at that moment, he recognized that God was indeed the Lord. And David begins the slow climb out of his pit of despair as he prays and asks God for help. He asks God to give light to his eyes. The, the Hebrew word there, give light, is the same Hebrew word that's used in Numbers 6, 24, where it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That give light is the same Hebrew word there as to make his face shine upon you. He's saying, God, look upon me. Bring light into my situation. Help me to see. And here we see that the darkest part of the night had happened. And now, just possibly, the darkness were beginning to fade and the morning light had begun to dawn. There was that first flicker of hope that first ray of sunshine, the idea that there is hope on the horizon. <clears throat> that first day you wake up and it's a little bit better today than it was yesterday. Or something happens and, and your, your perspective begins to change just a little bit. 
I would guess that each person in this room has walked through some dark valleys, and you know the pain that David describes in this psalm. Sadly, some of you are living in it right now, and I, I feel for you. It's no fun living in the dark, stumbling your way through the days waiting and hoping and praying, but be looking for that first flicker of hope. My encouragement to you is to hang on. Don't trust your feelings when they contradict God's word. Trust God's word. He does not forget you. He will not fail you. He will not leave you. He knows what you're going through. He'll give you your grace. And even though you can't see his hand, you can trust the fact that he is there. He may feel distant, but he is there. His, faith, his, his voice may grow silent or faint, but keep talking, keep praying, keep speaking to God. And you'll, you'll eventually and slowly hear that still small voice. So whatever you're facing today, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't walk away from God. Keep walking. Keep talking. Keep praying. Keep writing. Just keep going. Keep walking with God through the valleys of life. One of David's most beautiful psalms gives a beautiful picture of this talking about walking with God through the valleys of life. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Psalm 23, verse four says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, David says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know what your valley is today. It may be physical pain. It may be a chronic condition that you've just prayed and asked God, would you please, God, Deliver me from this. We may experience the pain of loss and sorrow. Or maybe you're feeling persecution in work or in culture. Maybe there's some kind of an emotional valley of doubt and despair. And maybe fear has gripped your life. Maybe you're experiencing some kind of temptation that just you know, it's from within and it's from without and it just faces you all these, it's coming at you from all angles. In all of these valleys, it can feel like we're all alone. But Psalm 23 reminds us that God leads us through the valleys, that we can trust God in the dark. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Doesn't mean you're not gonna feel like quitting. We see that here. David was feeling that way. I've told God on more than one occasion, God, I don't think I can take much more. And you probably have too. We've all been there. And there's this flicker of light and this ray of hope. We look back on these situations with hindsight and we can clearly see God's hand at work. I can look back now with you know, eight, nine years after the event and, and, and I can see how God guided me to the exact right doctor who referred me to the exact right retina specialist, who did the exact right procedures at just the right time, and uh, I can see clearly. Um, but when you're going through it, there's more questions than there are answers, and it can be really tough. I wouldn't be where I am today, and likely most of you would not be sitting here in this room today if God had not been guiding me and directing me through those darkest days. And I think David recognized this in his life as well. 
when you get to the final couplet here, this final stanza of the psalm, you see that David's mood has actually dramatically changed, right? David has gone from darkness to light. We see in verse five, he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. When you look at this verse, it's easy to skip over a little word right there at the beginning, but, but I trust in your unfailing love. But marks the turning point here in David's situation. It's a real contrast to everything that had been previously written. He says all of that in verses one through four, then he says, but everything's falling apart in my life, but I don't think I could make it one more day, but. I was at the end of my rope and ready to call it quits. But I don't know what it is that triggered the turning point for David, but it happened. It happened. God's timing is perfect. Again, we don't know the circumstances that were changed. We don't even know if they were changed. It's quite likely that, that David was still being chased by Saul. He was still living in caves. He was still running through the wilderness. He was still, still facing the same thing, but his perspective changed. His outlook changed. He once again had his faith in God. He was back to trusting in God's unfailing love. His heart was rejoicing in God's salvation. He had a new song on his lips and he had to pen it, which is what he did. And we still read it to this day. He recognized the goodness of God, even in the midst of his valley, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the pain, he recognized the goodness of God. I'm sure some people listening to this message identify with verses one and two of this song. And you're asking God these same questions. Maybe you're joining us online or driving down the road listening to this sermon. And your prayer today was just simply, God, how much longer am I going to have to put up with this? How much longer am I going to have to endure this, God? I don't know I can take much more. God, when are you going to answer my prayer? I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm depressed. God, where are you? Where are you? Let me encourage you with this thought. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows loneliness. He knows sorrow. He's been there. He knows what it's like to be chased down by your enemies. Jesus spent a season in the wilderness contending with the devil. If you've been rejected by society, if you've been betrayed by a friend, if you've been cursed by an enemy or falsely accused by a brother in Christ, then you know the pain that Jesus has felt in the last three years of his life because he faced it too. The great old preacher Charles Spurgeon one time said this. He says, as surely as this word of God is true, your Lord has felt the chill of the death shade. There is no gloom of spirit apart from the sin of it into which Jesus has not fallen. There is no trouble of soul or turmoil of heart which is free from sin which the Lord has not known. 
Jesus knows the pain that we go through and he's, he's been there. He knows that loneliness. He knows that rejection. He knows that hurt. Psalm 22 is another of David's psalms. <clears throat> and it too is a psalm of lament, like Psalm 13. Let me read to you the verse, first two verses of that psalm. David writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Well, you may recognize the first part of that psalm because Jesus quoted David on the cross. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In those awful moments, as evil men were allowed to do with Jesus whatever they wanted to, our Lord felt the feeling of abandonment. God placed upon Jesus the sins of the entire world. And for that moment, for that time, he felt the desolation of just being separated from the Father's presence. And it was at this time that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus understands the feeling of being abandoned by God because he endured that on the cross. Jesus has been there. He knows knows that feeling. He can identify with your sorrow and your grief. My encouragement to you today, if you find yourself in a valley or in the darkness, just hang in there. The sun will come up again. Your darkness will be broken. The silence of heaven will one day ring true with the song of victory for your life. You just have to hang on, keep moving, keep praying, keep trusting, keep walking. You're here this morning and you're walking in the light and you're enjoying beautiful fellowship with God right now. Rejoice in your salvation and sing praises to the God of heaven for his goodness, just like David did. Make sure that in the times of plenty and in the times of good and the times of health and when things are going great in your life that you are careful to praise God and thank God and recognize his goodness in your life. Because all of us, life is a series of valleys and mountaintops, valleys and mountaintops. And if you're on a mountaintop today, celebrate it. Enjoy the goodness of God. And if you're in a valley Know the fact that God's there with you, walking with you every step of the way. He knows how you're feeling. He knows what you're going through. And he'll be there for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we read David's psalm, God, it gives us hope to know that you don't abandon us in the valleys. And God, you walk with us through the darkest times of our lives, even when we don't see you, when we don't feel you, and we can't hear your voice. God, you are right there with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. 
God, your presence is there. And you're probably doing far more in our lives than we recognize. God, I pray this morning for those who are here or listening or watching this sermon, God, and maybe they're just going through a really tough time right now. And God, I pray that David's David's lament, God, will bring hope and encouragement to them, that they see someone who is a man after God's own heart who felt the same way they're feeling today. So God, I pray that today would be that transition time when that flicker of hope would be there, when that ray of sunshine would first creep through. God, when they would see that, yes, you will see me through. God, you will walk with me. God, you will help me. I will come to the other side of this. So God, we trust. We walk by faith. God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus was willing to go to the cross, even knowing that in doing so, all the sins of the world would be placed upon him. And he would become sin so that we could inherit his righteousness. Father, we can't imagine a love greater than that. So God, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. You've been so good to us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Be with us today, we pray in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's stand as we sing our final song this morning.